Good morning. Very good to see you. I'm just going to move this into the middle. I hope. But I think this visual aid is fantastic, isn't it? I'm going to put it just there, because this is going to be for my talk. Here is love vast as the ocean. What an amazing song that is to sing. And uh, it moves me a lot. I've spent my professional life alongside those unwell and those dying. And for me, faith has to be spot on at that moment. Spot on when life's tough. And then people just want to know the love of God. Here's love vast as the ocean. I was out on Saturday night as a street pastor, Friday night as a street pastor in Bath, and uh, it was an amazing moment at three or so in the morning. We found somebody who was very distressed. And it was one of those moments where you were trying to talk him down. He felt very agonized. He felt very unloved by God, very guilty, and was talking suicidal talk. And we were trying to calm him down. And often as you calm people down in that situation, you're just talking over them just gently and quietly about God's love. I paused. His head was on my shoulder down by the station. And one of my colleagues said this verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That one verse. And the man calmed down. It was an amazing moment. And so that really is the start, and also the thought of Jesus will conclude our talk today. Uh, But I just wanted to say that now, because it's been very moving to be in this service, uh, as indeed earlier. But that worship, how amazing. Here is love vast as the ocean. We are talking today about a, an amazing story. Now, when Mark asked me to do this talk, he gave me three and a half chapters uh, to read and so he'd be glad to. I know Paul was quite upset because he has been practicing those three and a half chapters to read to you for the next 59 minutes. But I did actually say, can we just do a few verses, please? And the verses I chose, we're going to reflect on because we actually all know this story. Just for those of you who are new to our faith, this is the Israelite people in the Old Testament once favored Joseph favoured in Egypt when they were in exile, then generations happened to be away and the Israelites were very in a very difficult place. And the exodus is the rescue, uh, where they were taken out by Moses after a series of conversations with Pharaoh, and they came to the Red Sea. And as you will know from the picture and from almost in folklore, uh, the Red Sea parted for them to go through. And I want to look at that. I want to look at that in that era, and they want to reflect on what it means for us now in this era. So if you like, we're going to look at our human experience, but also say, what does the events then say to us now about our faith? Because I believe they're saying profoundly important things. So the date of this event, of the Exodus, was about 1400 BC, thereabouts. There's a reference later on in the Old Testament that it was 480 years before year 4 of Solomon's reign, which can be worked out as 1446 BC if you want to go down to the exact year. But we won't do that because inevitably there's some doubt. But there's around that time this history happened. And uh, there's varying evidence, but it is a story that is really embedded in the folklore of our faith. And the time that happened was a time of great turbulence, great violence in that area of the world, Egypt, great sinfulness, 
a time of massive social migrations. So that is the area we're talking about now as we look. Can I have, please, the slide? Uh, There's one slide, which is this slide. And so we're going to talk on these six issues. Time scale, who's included, the miracle, remember the day, thank you, and God's vigil. So that's the framework. The slide will not change. Um, So just have that, if you like, as we go through this talk. And the first thing to draw out is the time scale. Now, the length of time the Israelites lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's division left Egypt because of the Lord's vigil. And it's worth pausing and saying, well, what was that? That probably meant about 12 or 15 generations. That's almost as long as the time when the Western church split into Catholic and Anglican. We're all working so much now, aren't we, for reunity. But it's that same type of time. And it is a very long time. And although all was well in the end, for the people living in there, it must have been a time of waiting. So the time scale is that. Secondly, who is included? Who is included? And we heard words in our reading. I was looking at some of you, and there were one or two furrowed brows, because it's these are words that actually don't quite... Go, does it, with our understanding of faith now? So here are the words then, at that time. No foreigner is to eat of it. Any slave you board may eat of it after you've circumcised him, but a temporary resident or hired worker may not eat of it. Rules and restrictions. The Old Testament era sound very hard to us, but of course in that time, in that part of the world, in that era, God's people were being defined. Who are we? And it may have been necessary to have the covenant at that time to identify those people who were part of that. So, time scale. Who is included? Let's look at the miracle for a moment. The miracle, as we hear from Scripture, 600,000 males. So presumably an equivalent number of women and presumably children. So we could say, uh, what, 15... 1,500, something like that. But it was an amazing time in history. Not only did the Israelites leave, but they plundered their hosts. The Bible says that the Lord uh, made the Egyptians, the neighbors, favorably disposed towards their Israelites' uh, neighbors. And so the Israelites were asked to ask for silver and gold and all that sort of stuff, so they took that with them. So you can imagine this was quite an event But we also know that the angel of the Lord was with them. We also know that God was there with guiding them with a cloud of, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of of fire by night. And they came to the Red Sea and Moses parted the waters and they crossed. It is an amazing miracle, isn't it? Certainly, uh, I've seen nothing like it in our time. So extraordinary. And then what else then were the people told to do? They were told to remember this day. Consecrate the firstborn. And there's a lovely bit later on about the importance of remembering. And enshrined in the instructions, a bit later on, than the passage we read, uh, is uh, the phrases that when children of future generations ask what does it mean, you must tell them. The importance of events like this in the faith tradition where we tell what happened. 
the Israelites were well known for their oral uh, accuracy of transmission. And the Passover is still a time where they sit down and they will go through a standard rhythm of scripture to remind them what does it mean. So a great model, but there's something else about the Old Testament era which now begins to link with where I want to get to today, talking about our own faith. And that is this, that the Old Testament story of humankind is humankind that so, so easily forgets. It's almost as if they have a relationship with God in the third person. They know about him, they talk about him, and when they remember, they say, yes, he did great things for us once upon a time. But they so easily forget. They have a different relationship with God. They have a relationship with God pre-Jesus Christ. This is the Old Testament. But we see in the books of the kings that very often the kings are recorded, a whole list of kings in Israel. Um, and, and as they go through, the kings were either classified as faithful and follow the Lord, or very sinful and didn't follow the Lord. And so I feel like humankind is yo-yoing in its ability and accuracy to remember. So we've talked about time scale, who's included in this story, this great exodus, this great rescue in the history of God's people at that time. Of course, history of God's people of which we are now the present God's people. We've talked about the miracle and we've talked about this, this demand to remember the day. And the two other aspects I would like to draw out before we apply it to today is just this importance of thank you. Of thank you. The idea of remembering is to pause and give thanks. To thank God. Not ask him for something, but thank him. We are called to pause and thank God. And finally, I'd like to draw out one word, which is the word we heard right at the start. Because the Lord kept a vigil that night. This is an amazing picture for me of God's watching his people at that time. He's watched them. He's seen their persecution. And that night, he instructs them in his rescue. And they did what they were told. They obeyed God's command. And he kept a vigil. And so they were rescued. So how does that time then build into our faith now? How does it work? What does it tell us? The people here who've had a faith for very many years, there may be other people here who are just thinking about it. Well, for me there are some important guidelines. First of all, the time scale. We can and we must take the long view. We live in a very immediate age, don't we? And our children are even worse. Correct? You want to buy something, they ring up Amazon, or dial whatever it is on the internet, they order it, and if they're lucky, it comes the same day if they're quick enough. Fantastic. If not, it comes the next day, but if it doesn't, they're grumpy. Correct? We're able to go to church every day of the week and we pick and choose what we want. We live in a very immediate. Why doesn't God answer my prayer now? I've asked. What's he doing? If they pause and listen, they'll hear Lord, the Lord God saying, 
I have called you, but the timing is mine. The point we can first of all say, can't we, that we can and trust the long view. God does here. 430 years for the Israelites. Good morning. Hello. Do you like this? Have you seen this? Oh, no. All is well. Okay. The time scale. The time scale is important. We can take, we must take the long view. What does it mean? We can trust God. We can trust God. Things aren't working out at the moment. Trust God. Don't worry, he's quite safe. It's very good fun when you're preaching like this. Those of you who preach, it's wonderful when you see everybody watching. Where's he going next? Where's he going? Okay. We're talking about the time scale and the first nudge for us is that we can, in this very immediate age in which we live, trust God. If things aren't working out yet, they will, we can trust God. The second comparison is crucially important. Who is now included? And the answer is everyone. Everyone. The great difference between now, our rescue now, our salvation now, through Jesus Christ, is that everyone is included. Jesus says to his disciples, go to the ends of the world. There's one person I heard recently saying, we're almost there. If you look at the power of mobile telephone technology and internet, we have almost covered the whole world, the whole world, with the possibility of hearing the gospel. What a thought that is. But for us, however we feel about ourselves, whether we feel included or excluded, God loves us. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation of Jesus Christ, is for every single person. That includes the people we like, but also the people we don't really get on with very well. Correct? People who are different to us. People who are profoundly different to us. What about the miracle? Well, I said a moment ago that we have not seen, certainly I have not seen anything like the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. But you saw the slide that I made for the talk at the very start of this service. And if we pause for a moment and look at the miracle of Jesus Christ, then millions upon millions have believed in him. Moses rescues 1,500,000 thereabouts, let's just say. And that moment across the Red Sea, yes, that was miraculous. But the extraordinary miracle of our faith is that millions upon millions worldwide have believed and trust in Jesus Christ. Millions upon millions worldwide have received the Holy Spirit. Millions upon millions worldwide have seen the Holy Spirit move in ways they could not possibly have explained the miraculous. And that is something that we can quietly believe and trust in. Remember the day. That's the instruction that the people were given in the Old Testament times. How about ourselves? It's so important that we remember the events like this. It's so important that we remember not only the faith events in our year, but the value of story, the value of testimony, 
I try and avoid high cringe words, and some, for some people, giving your testimony is a high cringe word. Let's just say story. Let's just say narrative. And it's wonderful to hear the wonderful, fantastic, miraculous healing narratives. They're great, aren't they? They're wonderful. But how about the narratives of God moving every day? How about the narratives of when you go into a room with something on your mind and somebody, a stranger, comes up to you and says a comment to you that hits the target? Sometimes even a stranger looks at you. How are you? And you feel better. Some of you are nodding. You've had that experience. Who is that? That's the Holy Spirit. It can be nobody else. Surely. How did a stranger know you needed that comment at that time, at that moment? It's wonderful to hear, remember stories. And in remembering and telling each other, you don't know what a story that you tell in your life may impact on somebody else who's going through exactly the same circumstance. You are a stranger to them, but they're receiving through you by the Holy Spirit. And so to the last two foundation points, if you like. First, the thank you. I'm not very good at this. It actually is so good to get into the habit of pausing, maybe regularly, maybe every day. Maybe at the end of the day. And pausing and just seeing through that day what God has done. And just pausing and saying thank you. We're meant to say thank you. I sometimes think of the relationship we have with God as like a searchlight. The old-fashioned searchlights you used to see in Second World War RAF movies, but the old-fashioned searchlight, this pinpoint of light, and I believe that God's gaze of grace, God's gaze of grace, is like a pinpoint of light. And that gaze of grace rests on every single one of us. But down that, that shaft, if you like, the flow is two-way. And we receive from God the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, we should be pouring upwards our praise, our adoration, our worship, and our thankfulness. And if we cry as we do, that's good because God loves tears, even man tears. Is that okay? I love this dynamic. It's a two-way. And we need to say thank you. And the final point, which has been answered this morning for some, I know, but what I want to make is just going right back to this wonderful word, vigil. I used to use that word sometimes the hospice when I was talking to families as they were waiting, their, their loved ones were dying and they were there. They'd say, Nigel, how long will this be? And I'd say, I don't know. But the concept of vigil being watchfulness. Now we know that by our human experience. Let's pause and just learn from this passage. God orchestrating the rescue of his people in that era They were rescued because of God's vigil. We have a God who is always, if you like, keeping vigil for us. Watchfulness, watching us. And for those in good times, a time to give thanks. For those in tough times at the moment, we can know, know that God keeps vigil for his people. He cares for us, in Jesus' name.